Hi, this is Dr. Laurie Santos. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. We believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can build a more connected community. Neighbor to Neighbor. It takes a neighborhood. Hi, this is Dr. Laurie Santos. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. We believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can build a more connected community. Neighbor to Neighbor. It takes a neighborhood. Ha ha! Suck at other podcasts. They picked me to play. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, wanted to give a reminder that for the April 29th episode, one week from today, it is going to be a bonus episode of Potterless because I will be in Italy and I will not have the ability or the time to make a full episode. It will be the Harry Potter debate that Lauren Shippen and I had as part of the Multitude live show in Seattle. It's very funny. I'm very proud of it. I think you'll enjoy it too. It just makes sense for me to take a break here. I've never taken a break and I'm going to be out of the country, so I think it's all going to work out. I hope you understand. Also, a friendly reminder that you can see me and the Multitude crew live in Nashville, Tennessee for Pod X. If you go to multitude.production slash live, you can see all the information there, but we're going to be doing stuff at the convention. We'll do a meetup as well. It'll be a whole fun time, and if you don't know what Multitude is, it's an audio collective that I am a part of. Multitude is all centered around shows of people nerding out about the things that they love, which sometimes means being critical of of them, and that's okay. You've got Potterless, you've got Spirits, you've got Horse, you've got Waystation, and you've got Join the Party. A wonderful lineup of shows that are great to listen to, especially if you're all caught up on Potterless and Potterless bonus episodes, and you need something to pass the time. All of the information on those shows is at Multitude.Productions. And speaking of wonderful things and wonderful people, we have new patrons to welcome to the team. So shout out to Jaleesa Jackson, Juliana Ruelas, Megan, Katie Firth, Jamie D'Andrea, Ali Parker, Masters of Nothing, Shadai Jutila, Jen McGinnis, Cindy Lowe, Elad Peretz, and Abby T. Shout out to Grady Hollister who upgraded their pledge, and a huge shout out to our newest producer level patrons, Kafir Shaltiel, Lindy Packey, Martha Madueno, Benjamin Desmond, Tahinder Cumber, and Skymart6. They join the ranks of Leanne, Vicky, Aaron, Jesse, Natalie, Deborah, Clow, Frank, Marchismo, Tori, Samantha, Juan, Kieran, Rebecca, Abid, Caitlin, Rosemary, Jill, Marie, Lisa, Ariel, Romina, Kamel, Russell, Dustin, Audra, Eleanor, Sydney, Billy, Rossan, Andrea, Nikita, Lala, Chelsea, Taylor, Lovekesh, Ali, Cassandra, Roxy, Amelia, Sean, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Jessica, Arna, Tiago, Daisy, Jessica, Orchid, Steve, Vivian, Takar Haley Marino, Moster Pinky, Angelina, Ross Marie, Lee, Alex, Brian, Caitlin, Finn, Mosin, Grace, Sammy, Raul, Ingen, Mari, Brianne, Alexandra, John, Jen, Noel, Tao, Emily, Michael, Robin, Patricia, Will, Liz, Mariah, Brandon, Sarah, Claire, Teal, Sina, Rory, Gloria, Sarah, Patrick, Alicat, Hallie, Veronica, Kevin, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Lucinda, Carlos, Pam, Nikki, Colleen, Jennifer, Friday, Ivor, Naomi, Tyler, Summer, Heather, Vera, Kerry, Andrea, Topher, Ella, Anthony, Dead Cat Lady, David, Elisa, Lynn, Emily, Ryan, Cameron, Justin, Christine, Jacob, Toothless, Maya, Mark, Polly, Kimberly, Srujan, Brittany, Nita, Bavi, Tumnus, Remy, Matt, 
Sarah Lauren, Nona Kyle, Zena, Emily Colleen, Harlan, Akanksha, Wouter, Shelby, Noelia, Reese, Adriana, Brian, Akamib, Washington, Jenny, Nikki, Kara, Dorcas, Courtney, Kine, Amanda, Sabrina, Lauren, Claire, Alicia, and Can't I Potter? Who never accidentally tip over their water bottle all over their desk right after filling it up. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus episodes, director's commentary, my notes, discounts on the merch, exclusive merch, you can go to patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 74 of Potterless, covering chapter 23 of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, guest starring Helen Zaltzman and Martin Ostwick. episode of Potterless, the tale of a grown man reading the Harry Potter series for the very first time. My name is Mike Schubert. I am that grown man, and I am here joined by two lovely folks from across the pond that I met north of the border in Canada, so it's a whole whirlwind of meetings. It's Helen Zaltzman <laughs> from The Illusionist and Martin Ostwick from Song by Song. Helen and Martin, how's it going? Hi. Right. It, go- it goes well. How do you do? We have terrible jet lag. Oh. Because uh, we just landed in the United States, so... Uh... We're really going to bring the energy today. Yes. Oh, good. Well, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night because I posted an episode of Powerless, so we're all just ready to go. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Maybe we should just take uh, a nap instead. Oh, well, yeah, we could do that. Or we could talk about this very dramatic and oh action-packed set goodness. of chapters of Harry Potter. Yeah, shit's really kicking off. <laughs> yeah, I knew that it was going to be serious when the chapter title was Malfoy Manor. I was like, ooh, this will be fun. That is a light spoiler, isn't it, for the for the chapter? Yeah, a little bit. You don't know at the beginning what, why it's called that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... I didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but I obviously knew they were going to make their way to Malfoy Manor. I have said this so many times on the podcast, but I don't like when the title of the chapter or the little picture gives anything away. Yeah, right. I wish they were just called like chapter 23. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want to know anything. The case of the mysterious apprehension. Yeah. Or just like really vague things. But like apples and oranges. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, before we begin, what Harry Potter houses do you two fall into? I think I'm a oh. Ravenclaw. Okay, I could see it. Yeah, because um, I grew up with an emphasis on academics. Mm-hmm. I think okay, I think Martin and I disagree over which house he would be in. Which do you think? <gasps> um, which do you think I am? I think you're a Hufflepuff. That's nice because you're a very sweet dog. <laughs> <laughs> the long pause by that's nice. It's a great reaction. Well, no, <laughs> I'm just trying to pass that. Like, is that vaguely? Ins- I mean, I guess none of the houses are designed to be vaguely insulting. I suppose no one wants to be a Hufflepuff though, because no it's wants- the least cool house. It depends. Well, that's true. It that's really true. depends because I feel like in the books they are written not cool and they're just dunked on all the time. But in real life, it's just like the loyal people. Like they're the good friends. Mm. I find it similar to Slytherin, where like in the books it's like ah the racists. <laughs> in real life, you'd be like oh they're ambitious and cunning so i always try to think of it as not going by the books because like name four ravenclaws like <laughs> i can't think of is anybody Cho Chan, that is not Cho Chan uh-huh. or Ravenclaw? she is as is luna Ew. and then oh, luna. i know roger davies and then it stops there maybe one of the patils but that's i don't know if i could hit double digits of ravenclaws no, they don't <laughs> they don't really concentrate on the two non-evil and non-heroic houses Mm -hmm. but um i reckon hufflepuff is the house where a lot of them grow up to be your favorite friend with benefits (laughs) they have that kind of married they have that kind of (laughs) cheerful spirit what are you saying? <laughs> I'm trying to think of nice things to say about Hufflepuffs who are all like kind of stupid dorks. So what do you think? What do you think I think I am? 
I think you think you're a Gryffindor. No, I'm not brave enough to be a Gryffindor. Okay, you're a Hufflepuff then. <laughs> I think you think you're a Slytherin would be my guess, but I also would peg you as a Hufflepuff. No, no way no, is Martin a Slytherin. Slytherin. I do he's, not identify oh, as so a Oh, so Ravenclaw as well? Martin is a very innocent at heart person, but I don't think he's kind of unemotional and mean enough to be a Ravenclaw. Are they very bookish, Ravenclaws? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I always do. No, you're there. an absolute Hufflepuff, mate. I'm pretty bookish. I do have a PhD <laughs> in physics. Yeah, but you're too much of a dork to be a Ravenclaw. Uh, okay. <laughs> I think you need to be a bit more haughty to be a Ravenclaw. Okay. <laughs> no shame. Well, in now it. that we've had this sorting hat ceremony, <laughs> let's talk about <laughs> chapter twenty-three, which is called Malfoy Manor. So it starts off uh, with a bang in that the Death Eaters just start mugging a bunch of children. <laughs> Sounds it's, cool, guys. It's really on brand for the Death Eaters, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By this point. <laughs> Definitely. I don't think there's anyone on the fence at this point in the uh, in the story. No, nobody's like, are those Death Eaters? Are those Death Eaters nice? <laughs> Let's just give them the benefit of the doubt. Oh, yeah. Well, they have that cool tattoo, you know? Well, that's and true. And they've got the pointed hoods. <laughs> yeah, and they've also got muscle. They've got some pretty snazzy spells. Mm-hmm. All of that. Yeah, if you're going by the movies, they have those really nicely done arts and crafts masks, which are <laughs> very cute. Yeah, they could be in... Uh, Corn or something. Is it corn that wear the masks or slipknot? I think you're thinking of um, insane clown posse, aren't you? <laughs> slipknot, I believe, are the masks. They could be I... in a kind of wizarding world jabberwockies. Ooh, so the Death Eaters are a dance crew. <laughs> <laughs> That's canon now. A dance crew that will occasionally kill you. But they're kind of a bit pathetic in this chapter, aren't they? Because mm. they are bullying and capturing children, but the kind of mean one is unable to call Voldemort because he's not high enough in the ranks. He's not a proper Death Eater. And the rest, like the Malfoys, their house has been overrun by douchebags. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah. None they of seem them... pretty irritated. Oh, we're kind of skipping ahead a bit, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. But they do come off very poorly in this chapter. Yeah, the Death Eaters are they're powerful in this chapter, but in a kind of pathetic way. Mm-hmm. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> so they start bugging the kids. Harry's new wand gets stolen. Ron yells, get off her while uh, he is getting punched. Hermione <laughs> yells, leave him alone while Ron is getting punched. And it all started with once the Death Eaters were starting to mug them, Hermione points her wand at Harry. Yeah. And I was very confused about why she did this. But we later learn that she did some sort of stinging spell to his face so that he would be disfigured, which I love that we live in this world later in the chapter where it's like, oh, no, his face is kind of puffy. Is that Harry Potter? Like, I don't know <laughs> what this spell did to make him not look like the same human, but it's pretty impressive work. Pretty, yeah. His face is pretty swollen, isn't it? I mean, I kind of imagine, mm-hmm. yeah, like he'd been stung by like killer wasps or something like that. It's very resourceful of her, I think. It's a good and tactic. I also like the fact that it's kind of fucking over Harry a bit <laughs> it's also mostly ineffective and makes almost no difference to the evolution of this chapter right it puts him in another uncomfortable position yes. he has a very painful time in in this she could have just magicked a kind of mask over his face or like grow his hair over his face in a kind of 90s indie band style i love the fact that this is going to escalate at some point it's just going to go harry i'm going to kick you in the nuts but why <laughs> magic no it'll be good it'll confuse people it'll work your voice will sound different <laughs> yeah, exactly. your voice will go way higher because werewolves recognize people by the nuts <laughs> so speaking of werewolves fenrir is being weird again where he really keeps on talking and talking about eating children which not a great look Mm. But then he goes inside the tent 
and he laughs and calls Harry ugly and asks what happened to you. And that's when I realized, oh, Hermione disfigured him. Mm. So Fenrir asks what his name is, and he says Dudley. And then Fenrir goes, and your first name? And then Harry goes, uh, Vernon? And <laughs> as someone that I've accidentally called the Dursleys the Dudleys very often on the podcast, I feel vindicated by Dudley now being his last name. Oh, right, yeah. But Vernon Dudley is his choice of name, which is great. So in your imagination, Dudley Dursley is Dudley Dudley. Just It's one of those things where like I mess up saying the Dudleys instead of the Dursleys. And I also, and this, I don't really know exactly why, but I will often interchange Voldemort and Dumbledore when I'm saying them. <laughs> wow. I guess they're both like three syllable powerful wizards, but there have been multiple episodes of Potterless where while I'm editing, I have to plug my microphone in and everything because I'd be like, yeah, and then Dumbledore kills a guy and I'm like, well, oh crap, no he doesn't. <laughs> I feel like he who must not be named being the headmaster of a school would be really awkward. <laughs> I don't know, a lot of headmasters of boarding schools are historically quite sadistic people. Yeah. Or do you think that Dumbledore and Voldemort it's a kind of Tyler Durden situation have you ever seen dumbledore and voldemort in the same room so it's been a few Dumb times yeah dumbledore. Yes. yeah actually yeah <laughs> dumbledore punching his own face <laughs> oh so grayback tells a new death eater named scabier which is a fun name scabier scabier than what <laughs> <laughs> so they he checks the list for harry's fake name then they ask ron what his name is and he says stan shunpike which is a very poor decision given that stan shunpike has been brought up to ron multiple times as someone in cahoots with the death eaters not a great wow. improv yeah. bit from ron weasley here but ron is a dipshit at the least stressful of times <laughs> he's not going to make smart decisions in this case yeah it is funny that he either is brilliant or not bright at all when it comes down to pressure and later on in this chapter he does great things while under pressure but this is not his best moment no but fair play i don't think i would be smart either mm -mm, that's the thing is especially at 17 i would have been freaking out i could not have come up with good lies i'm trying to think of any good decision i made at 17 mm. the list is short <laughs> <laughs> and also i'm not i wasn't a 17 year old with ptsd as pretty much every character in harry potter would have yeah. they've seen awful things do you either have a go-to fake name for this sort of situation none no had not prepared at all for this situation of being captured by a death eater werewolf. I would have to make up a last name really quickly, but my go-to fake name at a restaurant or someplace, because I'm Mike, so it'll be very often where there'll be multiple Mikes ordering something. My go-to fake names will either be Steve or Winston, if I'm feeling oh. spicy. Steve is also quite a common name. <laughs> That's the problem. I usually go with Winston because I'm like, no one else will be Winston. But the one time being Mike helped me was I was at a pizza place and it was like a order by the slice thing. And the guy in front of me was named Mike and he ordered the same thing as me um, but then they said Mike and I stood up and the dude handed it to me and I was like haha <laughs> I have skipped one person in line yes. Mike power <laughs> Yeah, the one time it comes in handy. Hey, cool story, past Mike, except you ruined the entire thing by telling it wrong. Hey, how's it going? Editing Mike here. What past Mike meant to say is that the person in front of him ordered a sausage pizza and gave the name Mike. Now, past Mike was going to order the same thing, so he didn't want there to be confusion, so he gave the fake name of Winston and then ordered the same thing, a sausage pizza. When it came time for them to bring out the pizza, even though me and this other Mike got the same order, they brought out mine, Winston's, first. Thus, Mike's whole story here was incorrect. However, I did get that pizza first that one time, even though I didn't deserve it. I like to think it's because I came up with such a fun fake name, so I'm proud of myself. Actually, do you, do you ever have that in Harry Potter? Because surely 
since most of the kids have fairly standard white Brit names at the mm-hmm. school, are there any who've got the same name as each other? So there's like Dean F and Dean P. That is probably the most unrealistic thing about the Harry Potter universe. There are no <laughs> two kids with the same name. <laughs> I mean, I still think whatever you think about J.K. Rowling's writing style, if she had two characters with the same name, that would be quite shitty writing. No, but they, they would be called like Mike S and Mike T right mm-hmm. or one could go by mike and one will go by michael or the true story of anyone whose first name is michael you go by some sort of nickname variation of your last or, name yeah yeah that would that would get confusing <laughs> like shubes <laughs> or like big mike or something like that right <laughs> yeah just throw an adjective on there yeah it doesn't yeah. matter if it fits puff or puff mike <laughs> that would be the way that you probably have to distinguish it in hogwarts you'd be like ravenclaw tom no 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 slytherin tom oh racist tom yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah here's the tom that accidentally turned the teacher into a frog oh yeah that's <laughs> so Ron then says that his name is Barney Weasley, which at first I thought was not a smart idea, but then I realized is actually a very smart idea because then he's insinuating that he's a pureblood, so they won't want to capture him. Ah, so. uh, right, okay. Mm-hmm. Pureblood privilege. <laughs> so then they ask Hermione, and she says Penelope Clearwater, which is a great throwback because that was Percy Weasley's girlfriend for like a day in book two. <laughs> wow. <laughs> There, this chapter in particular has so many throwbacks to characters from way back. Yeah, yeah. That's good thinking from uh, Hermione. We expect Hermione to kind of keep her shit together in this sort of situation, don't you? She's the only one you can trust yeah, with anything for sure. ever. For sure. So the two Death Eaters think that they look like they should be Hogwarts students, and Ron says that they left. The Death Eaters ask why they used Voldemort's name, because the Order likes to use it, and Ron says, it was a mistake, and we don't know what the Order of the Phoenix means. Mm. The Death Eaters, though, still decide to throw them in with the other prisoners. Those prisoners are Dean Thomas and the Goblin, which we heard about in the radio broadcast from last chapter. Um, sorry, we're at our friend's house and someone um, in the adjacent room has just flushed a toilet. So oh. you probably want to drop the level on that when uh, we send this track to <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll keep it in now. If anything, I'll amplify it and then everyone can hear how good the flush was. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Editing Mike here just to play that amplified flush noise for you. Ah, so soothing. Anyway, back to the podcast. It sounds fine. (laughs) So Harry says, this is all my fault. I said the Dark Lord's name. Well, yeah, no shit, Harry. Harry is often fucking up. Mm -hmm. I get that he has a lot on his plate and he's probably very tired after the events preceding this in the book been camping a long time everyone knows you don't get a good quality of sleep true but he is one of those people that likes camping though they do exist maybe but he is always (laughs) fucking up and someone like hermione kind of gets him out of it yeah Mm. especially in this book i feel like he's making a lot of mistakes like he's like oh yeah bethilda bagshot let's see her oh a snake is coming out of her neck ah i've chosen poorly (laughs) (laughs) foiled again by a giant snake then on the other hand he is a child Mm -hmm. and children are often they're not maybe not expecting snakes to come out of old women true we all make dumb decisions when we're younger i had a bowl cut in high school we've all been <laughs> it was character building <laughs> I can't imagine that. <laughs> so when scabier tells grayback that vernon's name isn't on the list he starts to interrogate harry he asks what his house is he says slytherin he's like oh everyone says that where's the <laughs> common room and then harry nails it here's my thought wouldn't anyone at hogwarts know where the common room is like that doesn't seem like a particularly hard question yeah. to is ask it a, is it a 
secret. They do mix with each other. Yeah, there's only four. Yeah. <laughs> Why are those kids walking towards the lake? Maybe Slytherins really like swimming. God, the Slytherin <laughs> common room must really smell of damp. Mm -hmm. I need to see like an architectural drawing of Hogwarts mm. because it seems very silly to put a common room underneath the lake purely for a dramatic effect. Just to be so goth. <laughs> we're so different and brooding and moody. We're under the lake. <laughs> God, we're, we're so dungeon. What if someone got put into Slytherin just because they wanted to be a marine biologist? Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 I'm not racist. I just like fish. <laughs> what if someone's like just super, I don't know, like who would be a, a, a Slytherin that wouldn't be into that stuff? Like maybe someone who was like super ambitious, super cutthroat, mm -hmm. super corporate. And they're like, why are we hanging out in this really gothy place? Yeah. I was expecting this to be like my it's like an investment banker gets put yeah, in Slytherin. Exactly. It's like, what am I doing here? <laughs> I just want to work crazy hours and then drink a lot. Yeah, or someone who is really good at magic but doesn't have uh, a sort of Gryffindor personality mm -hmm. doesn't mean that they're an evil twat. That is the fan fiction or spinoff book that I want to see. Just like a normal person in Slytherin that is like, what is wrong with all these kids picking on people all the time? Why, why can't we just be nice? Yeah. Why is that kid so mean to Harry? He's an orphan. They're quite categorical tropes, aren't they? It's almost like the political compass. It, what happens if you sit right in the middle mm. and you could go Gryffindor, you could go Slytherin, you could go Hufflepuff, you could go Ravenclaw. Well, isn't that... You just get arbitrary chucked into one of them and you're just like, who are all these idiots? Isn't that a thing in the first book when the sorting hat is talking to harry and it's like hmm richard you're all slytherin maybe yeah this is something that my girlfriend kelly has a very good theory about it's that if you are on the fence or just even any sort of sorting the hat puts you in the house in which you will grow the most or like whatever mm. you most need so when you look at Hermione, for example, she's already crazy smart. She yeah. is perfectly intelligent. Being in Ravenclaw isn't going to put her over the edge because mm. she's still already going to be that smart. But she needs to be a little more brave and more okay with like fudging the rules and doing what's necessary. And that's why she gets put into Gryffindor. Similar thing with like Neville or like Ron really benefits from bravery. Ron should be a Hufflepuff. Come on. He probably should be, but the bravery helps and you got to make Harry have two friends, right? <laughs> 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 well, I mean, the other thing is like Voldemort and Harry have this this connection mm -hmm. that we know about. Isn't it plausible that the the Sorting Hat was like, oh yeah, there seems to be this like big like dose of evil in him. Not sure where it's from, but I guess that could fit, fit him into Slytherin. Yeah, they made a whole big scene about it in the first book that he could have gone either way, and then Harry just kept saying not Slytherin, not Slytherin, not Slytherin. Yeah. So it's like, ugh, fine, shut up. The Sorting Hat is just fucking with him. <laughs> What if the sorting hat is a pure random and everyone is just like confirmation biasing everything yeah. after the fact? The sorting hat is like, I don't give a fuck. I'm a hat. I think it's like cold reading. I'm seeing a, an S for, no, no, it's it's a G. What's your favorite number? 12. Hufflepuff! <laughs> I have an awful question. Uh -oh. Okay. Is there slash fic about Harry and Voldemort? Yes, I've read one. Oh. I read it as part of Fangasm, which is a mm -hmm. fan fiction podcast that does all sort of erotic stuff and it was a Harry Voldemort dream sequence um, all like thematically based on the song Toxic by Britney Spears. <laughs> Were there a That's lot appropriate. of puns about wands? There was a couple puns. The biggest one is that I think he said something to the effect of like check out my butt Voldemort I think was in the wording. Mm, That's a bit but clunky. Mm -hmm. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Harry Potter that would work better. <laughs> There are a couple other ones. My big gripe with it was that, spoiler alert for the ending, for anyone going to read it, uh, it's a big, like, it was all a dream thing. Yeah. So I thought they were, like, actually doing stuff. And then it was like, Harry wakes up in his bed in a cold sweat. And I was like, fuck you, come on. Yeah. It's fan fiction. You don't have to 
do this. But they can't, yeah. even in the realms of fan fiction, they can't allow Harry and Voldemort to have a sexual connection. Mm-mm. It has to be a nightmare. <sighs> anyway, awful, awful. sorry, I've let, anyway, I've let us Potter. down a dark path. <laughs> so they then ask Harry about his dad. He says he works in the ministry in the magical accidents division and Scabier buys it. Greyback's not so sure, though. Then they find the sword, but they don't know what it truly is. They don't know that it's a Horcrux. They just think it's a really nice sword. Voldemort thoughts then at this point start creeping back into Harry's mind. Scar starts hurting all of that classic stuff. While this is happening, Greyback takes a look at the Daily Prophet, and the Daily Prophet has a headline saying that Hermione Granger is a girl known to be traveling with Harry Potter. And then he looks at Hermione and back at the picture, and he says, hey, you kind of look like the person in this picture. Is this you? And then Hermione, with no poker face at all, is like, "Ah, no, it's not me. I'm Penelope Clearwater. (laughs) Totally gives it away. Greyback then goes into sleuth mode and starts investigating Harry a bit more thoroughly. He sees what looks like a scar on his forehead, but isn't exactly sure if that's the scar. And he brings up that he thought Harry wore glasses. After he says this, one of the snatchers say that they found glasses in the tent. So then they grab him and shove him on his face, and Greyback is convinced that it's Harry Potter. Right. If you're a wizard, wouldn't you just perform... The wand equivalent of laser surgery on your eyes. It seems like it, but I guess not. Maybe it's like LASIK where it's the one in one million chance that it doesn't work and Mm. Harry doesn't want to take that risk. I mean, I quite like the way that my glasses frame my face. Otherwise, I think my eyes look too small. I love glasses, but if you're Harry and you've been in a lot of shitty situations... Your glasses knocked off. Your glasses are knocked off or they're fogged up or you're in water, then don't you think (laughs) you would just make it so that you could get along without them. That's where contacts. At the very least, he should get a pair of Rex specs, which I don't know if they have those across the pond. Those are those like action goggles <laughs> that are glasses that people wore to play basketball in the 90s. You're basically kind of describing that Harry Potter in a pair of Oakleys. Or Harry Potter is a steampunk. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, Rex specs are distinctly made of clear plastic. Uh, but uh, <laughs> It's more like kind of lab look. Yes, they were like sporty lab eye goggle glasses. Do they mention that Harry's face gets de-swollen? It's like a gradual process, isn't it? They say that later on when he's in Malfoy Manor that it's gotten a little bit better, but they do note, and we'll cover this, but they do note that Harry looks in a mirror and at first doesn't even recognize himself. So it's supposed to be at least still significantly bad when he gets back to the Malfoy's place. After they shove the glasses on him, Harry keeps having these visions of what Voldemort is seeing, and he keeps trying to fight them. He keeps seeing Voldemort inside of some tall tower and looking at some sort of skinny figure in a cloak or a blanket of some sort. We'll learn later on what this is and its significance, but Harry's really trying to fight them because he doesn't want to, you know, do the whole freak out Voldemort thing. So Greyback wants to take them to Malfoy Manor for the reward, which is 200,000 galleons. Is that a lot? Uh, yeah. A galleon is like 10 bucks. Wow. Mm. It's, not like, it's not like yen then. Yeah. It's like $2 million. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> which I don't know how the pound is doing. Terrible. I assume yeah, it's really awful. Bad. It's doing really poorly against the galleon. Oh, uh, yeah. The galleon is just killing it right now. <laughs> if you're a werewolf, though, what are you spending that on? Right. I don't know. Yeah. What's this guy doing? Beer tonic. Okay. <laughs> Shampoo. <laughs> toothpaste (laughs) like what are wizards expenses i have a lot of questions about wizard capitalism as well because there's very few places for them to buy anything yeah and presumably they can magic a lot of things they don't seem to own cars that often Mm -mm. do they go to the supermarket and stuff to get food they never go on holiday 
It's not like the Death Eaters are spending all their money on going to luxurious locations. You don't need to book a flight. You can just continually disapparate wherever you need to go. Right. I will, oh, no. Hogwarts doesn't charge tuition, I don't think. No. What are they spending their money on? What's the on? point I, of it? I guess anything that you can buy in Hogsmeade and Diagon Alley. So oh, yeah. butter, beer, fire whiskey, robes, food. <laughs> Uh, yeah. that's, that's funny, pets. jelly beans. Yeah, a lot of candy that might backfire horribly on <laughs> yeah. you. Quidditch accessories. Yes. <laughs> the Death Eaters then disapparate with all of the prisoners. And at this point, the scar is just absolutely killing Harry. And he starts to see more clearly the vision of inside of a tower. And he doesn't know exactly what's going on, but we'll learn in a second. So the Death Eaters try to enter Malfoy Manor, but a voice says, state your purpose. <laughs> and then they say, we've got Potter. And the gates fling open. Yeah. Harry sees the albino peacock that has been mentioned earlier in the book. And for this, I was listening to the Stephen Fry audio book. So I guess you two would pronounce it this way too. Uh, I like that he calls it albino yeah. instead yeah. of albino. In British English. Mm. What's the significance of the albino peacock? I just think it's racist to own a all white peacock. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay. <laughs> it's like, oh, this thing is colorful and diverse. No, make it all white, please. I think really it's just creepy. An all white peacock is quite a rare peacock. Mm -hmm. And to have a peacock strutting around your house is already a kind of rich wanker thing to do. Yeah. So it's just like, upper level rich wanker behavior it's in the garden though right it's not in the i mean strutting around the perimeter of your house in the Martin. front room shitting on the carpet <laughs> might be you might have run of the house there might be a peacock <laughs> flap in the door does does that mean is now what is an albino peacock's like fan display really boring and monochrome but it's still impressive structurally it's big in size but it's just like a big white fan someone sent me a picture of one after i made fun of it in the previous episode of potterless where, oh, where the, where the <laughs> peacock is there it's pretty but yeah it's it kind of defeats the purpose of a peacock because it's just all white it's no common or garden peacock i'm just gonna google this to see what yeah i mean it's still pretty because it has lots of feathers and stuff but it's not great i would prefer a colorful oh, one. Oh, that's quite that's quite handsome it looks like a snowflake it looks like a big doily <laughs> I would have one if it didn't just say that I was a terrible person to have my own peacock. You can have an albino peacock. I don't... I'll get you an albino also peacock. Also, they're kind of violent as pets go, aren't they? Yeah, they seem very terrifying. It's one of those animals that I would just be confused by. Like, if someone was like, this is my peacock, I don't know what I would do. I would probably keep my distance. I don't know if they can fly or if they run or if they jump. Are they fast? I know nothing. I just know that I don't want to mess with one. Yeah. That's a sensible approach. Well, don't approach the peacock <laughs> is the sensible approach. So maybe it's another guard creature of their house. Mm, could be. You know what else it could be past, Mike? Hey, it's editing, Mike. How's it going? It could be time to take a break for Rungardium Madridosa. Actually, yes, I decree that it is time for Rungardium Madridosa. <laughs> Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Away. Now, we know while the squad is on this extended camping trip, they have Hermione's bag and the little pouch that Harry got from Hagrid. And these are fine, but they can be awkward to carry and they can get heavy. Wouldn't it have been better if they had something that was safe, secure, stylish, ergonomic, easy to carry? I know what you're thinking. Yes, they should have had an Away suitcase. Away uses high quality materials, but doesn't have the middleman involved so they can offer it to you at a low 
price. You can choose from a bunch of colors in four different sizes, and the design features are incredible. All of the suitcases are made with premium German polycarbonate, and you're right, that does mean that they're unrivaled in strength and impact resistance while still being very lightweight. It comes with four 360-degree spinner wheels, so you can hold it however you want to. It has a combination lock built into the top that is TSA-approved, so it can keep all of your things safe, and you can get your way suitcase to come with a portable battery that fits in a perfect little slot and can charge your phone, tablet, e-reader, whatever you need charged. The suitcases have a lifetime warranty, so you're not buying a suitcase, you're buying a lifetime's worth of suitcases, it's perfect, and all the suitcases come with a 100-day trial and free shipping in the lower 48 states. Away sent me a suitcase, and I am so happy with it. The timing could not have been more perfect as I'm using it on my trip to Italy that I'm gonna take. It has features that compress your clothes down inside the suitcase, and it has room to give on the outside, which is perfect for me, a criminal overpacker. And you Potterless listeners can get $20 off a suitcase if you go to awaytravel.com slash Potterless and use the code Potterless at checkout. Again, go to awaytravel.com slash Potterless, use the code Potterless at checkout, and you can get $20 off a suitcase and start packing away all of your important wizarding items for your big camping trip today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are, so it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club, and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% right off your first purchase right by going to arenaclub.com slash Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks. Right there. Wow. Anyways, that's a club.com slash Potterless for 10% off your first purchase. That's a wild collection card. 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 Wild collection card in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. So we get in, we're clear. 
clear vision now of what Voldemort is seeing. There's an emaciated figure in a blanket looking at Voldemort saying, so you have come. <laughs> I thought you would one day. <laughs> <laughs> Loving your voice work. <laughs> Just really trying to audition for an audiobook right now. Hey, Audible. I'd hire you. <laughs> Please hire me to say words. Then he goes on and says, your journey was pointless. I never had it. And then Voldemort goes, you lie. And then gets all pissed off at him. And at that point, I realize, oh, this is Grindelwald because Voldemort's on this hellbent search for the Elder Wand. And he thinks that he has it because that's what Grigorovich told him. Wait, that's not Grindelwald, is it? Isn't Grindelwald dead? I don't know if they actually confirm it in these mm. two chapters. I thought it was Grindelwald um, because in the previous chapters, when Voldemort is going to Ollivander and then Grigorovich, they say that the thief took it when he sees the flashback of Grigorovich, uh, and that person in the flashback matches mm. the picture that Harry sees of Grindelwald with Dumbledore. So I'm pretty sure this is like a really old Grindelwald. And because this prison we learn is Nuremberg, mm -hmm. which is the prison that Dumbledore put Grindelwald in. Oh, that makes uh, that makes more sense, actually. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, no problem. It's my job to know <laughs> Harry Potter things. <laughs> it's very fun because when I first started these books and this podcast, all of my questions were like me asking everything. And now we're on chapter 23 of book seven. I'm fairly knowledgeable yeah. <laughs> in all things Harry Potter. I'm almost the best. So back from this flashback, Narcissa checks them in and she says that her son Draco is home from the Easter holidays. So if that really is Harry Potter, he will know. So they're brought into a room that also has Lucius Malfoy in it, and Narcissa calls in Draco. This is the point where Harry looks in a mirror, doesn't even recognize himself. So this is the point where the stinginess is useful, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. otherwise everything is happening the same. Yes. You know, they still think it's Potter, but the fact that they're not sure is why Voldemort doesn't turn up right now and kill everyone. Right, it's just slowing everyone's role. Yeah, so I that, that stingy is a device just to stretch this out a little bit, and they've got a chance yeah. to escape. But also, does to do something. How quickly is Voldemort able to travel when someone presses the dark mark? He's just there sort of instantaneously almost, right? Well, no, he couldn't because he has to travel to within apparition range. It's yes. not clear what that is, but there's a, a reference later and it's like, soon he'll be close enough to apparate into the... Mm -hmm. uh, but they don't say how, how far that is. Yeah, I really want to know what is the exact distance that he has to be. I really want to know how many yeah. feet you can disapparate or, and show up somewhere else in. I just have a lot of questions about the infrastructure of the Wizarding World. Oh, have you heard of this podcast called Potterless? That's all <laughs> Do. <laughs> I don't care about the characters or plot. No, I ask so many logistical questions that J.K. Rowling's like, ah, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Magic. Yeah, that's, I mean, yep, that's always the answer. So Harry still is determined to avoid making eye contact with Draco, though. And when Draco is supposed to look over Harry, I don't know if Draco is being indifferent or scared or what, but Draco says he can't tell if it's Harry. I think he's very reluctant. I think yeah. he doesn't want to be implicated in any more or, or like responsible for any more wrongdoing after the the incident with Dumbledore in the previous book mm -hmm. yeah hasn't that been the progress of Draco in the sixth and seventh book that he's not enough of an evil cunt he is evil enough to facilitate the Death Eaters coming and then getting about to kill Dumbledore but then when he actually is supposed to murder Dumbledore he can't come to grips with it yeah. and I think this might be the first time that we see him since 
Mm. I think this is the first time we've seen him since he failed to kill Dumbledore. So yeah, it kind of seems like he's in this whole position where he's just out on the Death Eaters and wants nothing to do with it. And he comes across as like a moody teenager that doesn't want to do what his parents are doing. But it's more legitimate because <laughs> them homicidal killers. With, yeah, yeah, it's a little different when he's like, no, mom and dad. Like it's not like he got dragged to some party he doesn't want to be. At. Like, yeah. no, I don't want to go to so and so's baby shower. But <laughs> instead, it's like, no, I don't want to go to your big murder meeting, guys. <laughs> like, so it's more valid. <laughs> It's like if your parents were the Mansons, basically. Yeah. yeah. Your friends are so noisy and they stink <laughs> and they're weird and they won't leave. Uh, I was trying to read, uh, like, remember from the books, like, what's the sort of status with the other Malfoys at this point? Because Lucius still seems really into it. He's like bottom of the totem pole because he screwed up so poorly in book five and then he was in Azkaban and then he'd break him out. He's still got lovely hair though. We'll always have that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the Death Eaters broke him out so he's with the Death Eaters but they're all really annoyed with him especially Voldemort. Exactly. He's like really trying to prove himself. So he, later on in this chapter, he's like really anxious about wanting to be right. Like I found Harry Potter. I'm going to bring Voldemort the prize. Yeah, yeah. So Mm -hmm. what about Narcissa? What's happening with her? She seems to be in pretty decent status with them, but she always just seems like kind of passive. Like it doesn't seem like she holds a whole lot of power, but I think she's not in any sort of bad standing. She's she's like an accessory, isn't she? But what about her motivation? Is it really Lucius that's driving this whole family towards, you know, death is a great kind of thing? I mean, they're definitely both evil, but Narcissa has other concerns outside of Mm. pleasing Voldemort. Like she is still concerned about Draco and she was uncomfortable with Draco's task in the sixth book Mm. being for Draco to murder Dumbledore. So she at least is more multidimensional than just pure pure blood purity i let's see if i can say the word pure more but she's like she has more than just a one-track mind like lucius is just all evil everything and i think narcissa at least has some concerns like the well-being of her family yeah she's kind of got a maternal instinct where you get the sense that lucius is just kind of he's very ambitious and that blinds him to the having a wider character (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah he's more interested in like the power of it and really trying to be Voldemort's right hand man yeah so the reason why they are so hesitant to call Voldemort is because they don't want to be wrong apparently the last time Voldemort was called in for nothing some really bad stuff happened to two Death Eaters Roll and Dolohov did he flip over a desk (laughs) Uh, (laughs) he uh, what he uh, I'm trying to think of like what's something that's like mildly annoying oh he he took their socks and ran them underwater and and made them put them back oh. on and they couldn't take them off. Uh. I mean, that's basically waterboarding. Right? <laughs> yeah. The other day, I saw a friend who reminded me of this great prank we played on Martin a few years ago. Oh, that wasn't a great prank. It was very funny because uh, we realised that our friend had turned up at our house and he had the same shoes as Martin. Mm. So while Martin was out the room, we swapped my friend's shoes with Martin's because they're like three sizes too small for Martin. And then when he came back, just watched him struggle to put them on. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good it's a good harmless prank yeah that's the kind of thing Voldemort would do if he was irritated about having been recalled from a important killing person mission yeah whereas he'd be like you called me all the way from foreign prison for this shit <laughs> I'd almost got to Nuremberg no that's not what it's called so, what's it called Nuremberg yeah. it's called Nuremberg oh. Nuremberg mm-hmm. Nuremberg as in the Real place. Oh, wait. No, it's Nurmengard. Nurmengard. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you're right. I was about to be indicted for my war crimes. It was my moment in the yeah. spotlight. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Nuremberg seems too familiar. Yeah. I've only heard Nurmengard once before, and it was a couple chapters ago. Okay. <laughs> yes, Nurmengard. The same kind of thing. So Narcissa says that 
the girl is definitely Hermione. And Lucius is like, that's got to be Ron, right? Draco, is that Ron? And Draco's like, I don't know, maybe. He's very <laughs> disinterested in this whole situation. Leave me alone. <laughs> I just want to go play Xbox. Yeah, that's the thing. If you're a wizard, do you even get TV? Do you just get like historic <sighs> toys like a shuttlecock? <laughs> you get the the wooden paddle with the rubber oh. ball and the string. The newspapers are a bit like TV, aren't they? Because you know they've got moving pictures. Well, and it's stuff. like gifs, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. the wizard newspapers. Yeah. Did they have gifs when she wrote this? Didn't no, we? they did not. Well, maybe when she wrote this. She one, but not invented when the, first book the came gif. Out. I don't know when the gif started, but I wonder if someone read Harry Potter and was like, "Wait <laughs> a second. You saying J.K. Rowling invented it's, it's the GIF as well, isn't it? It's not I, the... I don't subscribe to the GIF thing. The person who created the file type says it's mm. GIF, but it's not the graphical interface. No. I think also, as a as a words person, I've come down on the side of GIF because people know what you mean when you say that, whereas GIF, mm. people don't associate that phonetically with that. They associate it with lemons and stuff. Yeah, when you give someone a gift, you're not like, oh, thanks for this GIF. <laughs> I don't know. Well, apparently it was invented in... Uh, on June 15th, 1987. Oh, oh wow. wow. Okay. So she could have been influenced by the GIF slash GIF. Wait, it was 1987. What was wrong with the 90s that we were not slinging GIFs <laughs> around? Yeah. What are we doing? We had AOL. How is like AOL not GIF central? And I mean, this is set of... in 1996. Yeah. Maybe Malfoy is on the early internet. Oh, it's like, Mom, get off the phone. I, <laughs> <laughs> I got to play Neopets, Mom. I got to feed my Jub-Jub. I got to my GeoCity site. <laughs> I got to write on my Zanga page, my live journal. Ugh. The Death Eaters really are like people who would lurk on early forums trying to entrap kids like Draco. <laughs> yeah, they're the like dark chat room catfishing people. They really are. It's not cool. Mm -mm, they're not great. They're not great at all. Speaking of not great, Bellatrix yeah. enters. Oh, she's a fun character. <laughs> Wacky <Yeah>. aunt. <laughs> We've all got one. I am one. The casting choice of Helena Bottom Carter was Perfect. very good for this one. Yeah. So she comes in and was like, let's call Voldemort right now. And Lucius is like, hold on. First off, I want to do the summoning. But second, we got to make sure we're right. And thirdly, we're only two thirds of the way through the book. So he's clearly not going to die now. Exactly. Come on. The dramatic things always happen at the end. Here's something, I'm glad that I have two British guests here because <laughs> this is something that I have such a gripe with in the book is that J.K. Rowling loves the word grope. Do you guys use that as like a normal word? It's usually uh, referring- Like to feel around for something? Yeah, not, I mean, mm. uh, not loads. I think the way it's most in currency now is if someone inappropriately touches someone else, say on a train. Or on a boob. <laughs> so that's, in America, it's- solely used for that. I've never heard a normal person be like, oh yeah, let me just grope around for a nickel in my pocket. But J.K. Rowling uses the word grope every single time she's talking about someone like fumbling around in a bag for something or like trying to find their wand in their mm. pocket. She uses it so much and people have always like replied to me online and they're like, grope's not that weird of word. So I, I feel very vindicated that both of you are like, no, nah, it's a weird word. Well, <laughs> it's not weird in books, but it would be weird to say it, I mm. think. But then I guess, why would you refer to the actor? Could you grope her into that cupboard and just find me a saucepan? That would be a strange sentence. Yes, that would be. Yeah. Was it something that it just didn't age well? Like when these books were written, was it more normal? Kind of like how the word queer used to just mean weird. And now if you say queer, it's like, oh, you're definitely talking about someone's sexual preference. I think it's a high fantasy thing. I think it's a the kind of word that people put in fantasy books. I think she's using a deliberately retro vocabulary yeah. for this like uh, they're in the vein of 1950s boarding school novels uh, uh, people use some very kind of 
gentle mid 20th century swear replacements that kind of thing they don't speak like kids of the 90s which they are yeah i was gonna say not enough people going tubular (laughs) (laughs) radical (laughs) don't have a cow man (laughs) watching the simpsons and listening to nirvana (laughs) (laughs) smell you later potter (laughs) (laughs) that would have been so good That would be good. I bet the Slytherins <laughs> were much better at being on top of current trends than any of the other houses. They'd have been listening to Marilyn Manson, wouldn't they? How did no one have a slap bracelet? <laughs> like, how did no one or, have jellies? You know what they didn't need? Global hypercolour. Because I bet wizards could just change the colours of their clothes with magic mm. rather than their own body heat. Yeah, sounds about right. So they bicker, they grope for their wands, they all start fighting, then they get separated. Bellatrix destroys all of the other people, like, they are no match for her. So do we already know this, or is this a scene to establish that she's kind of a badass? We already know that she's very good. I thought, I sort of think we already know that she's like a powerful wizard. Yeah, Yeah, but much like any Harry Potter book, you gotta remind the reader, hey, just in case you didn't read the last book for some reason, starting with seven, this lady's good at magic. I've heard Harry Potter's really good, I'm gonna start halfway through book six. You know, the first book I read was book four. Was it really? Yep. That's funny. Did you go back? Yeah, I did. I was working in a secondhand bookshop and um, book four was the one that we had in stock. So I read it. (laughs) (laughs) I've had some people mention to me that they read it in a weird, like the machete Star Wars order where they're like, oh yeah, I went like six, three, seven, one, five, two. It's like, (laughs) what the fuck are you doing? Well, if you read it in that order, it unlocks a secret meaning. (laughs) Is it like watching like Dark Side of the Moon backwards? Listen to the dogs <laughs> backwards while you watch Wizard of Oz. Sure. <laughs> so at this point, Bellatrix sees the sword and she starts freaking out. And she is very concerned about the sword being here because it's supposed to be in her vault. And she is asking Greyback where they got it. They said they found it. It was in the tent, et cetera, et cetera. But Bellatrix already came into the room at 11, and now she's been turned up to, like, 58. She is <laughs> not doing very well stress-wise. So she tells Draco to take these Snatchers and Greyback and Scabior outside and to finish them off. And, and she basically says, if you're too chicken shit to handle it, I'll go out and do it myself. I like killing people. Yeah, why doesn't she just go and do it herself? It would probably be a lot quicker, and it might be a useful stress she's outlet. Because she's got to torture Hermione to find out where, where she got the sword from. She can multitask. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it doesn't take that long to be like, Avadakadabra, Avadakadabra. It's just a couple syllables. But yeah, she wants to save her breath so she can torture a child. It's getting Draco out the way to object to the child torture of someone he's known for (laughs) nearly seven years at this point. Very true. So yes, Bellatrix says that she is going to start torturing Hermione. She says to send everyone down into the cellar except for her. Ron starts screaming, no, take me instead. Bellatrix slaps him in the face and then (laughs) says, you're next if she dies during my questioning. So Bellatrix stresses that Harry Potter must not be harmed because Voldemort wants to take care of it himself. Well, that's convenient for Harry, isn't it? Right? Super convenient. Easy street. (laughs) So Harry and Ron are thrown into the cellar and they start to hear Hermione scream. And Ron keeps yelling over and over again, like, Hermione, Hermione. And Harry's like, all right, dude, I get it. But also, we got to get out of here. So stop yelling. You're stressing me out. That was very irritating. (laughs) Inside the cellar is Luna Lovegood, which is sweet. And also there is Ollivander. Cool. He's been there ages. Yeah. He's been there over a year. But someone's fed him, which is surprising. Yeah. 
yeah. Well, they got to keep him alive just in case he remembers how to get the Elder Wand, I guess. <laughs> so Luna makes use of a nail to break off the ropes that they have them tied. And is there not some sort of like magical handcuff equivalent that they could put them in? Mm. It seems like ropes is a bit rudimentary for these wizards. Very retro. Very retro. <laughs> so Ron then uses the what the book says Deluminator, but I only will call the put outer so <laughs> that they can see. Luna gets them all free now that she has light and can see what she's doing. And Griphook, who also got thrown down there, Griphook is the goblin that was with Dean. He's not doing very well. Mm. All the people in the cellar are trying to find a way out. And upstairs, you hear that Bellatrix thinks Hermione is lying. She thinks that she got in the vault and somehow got the sword out. She keeps using Crucio on Hermione, and you can tell it's just not going well for Hermione upstairs. Again, the book says that Harry gropes inside of the Hagrid pouch for the golden snitch. That is a very rich sentence he just said. Uh, <laughs> he is just like grasping at straws. Or as J.K. Rowling would say, groping at straws uh, <laughs> to try to figure out a way to get out. Tries to snitch, it doesn't work. Tries his broken wand and nothing works. Um, looks in the mirror, which before he thought he had seen Dumbledore's eye. And he still sees this eye, which he is convinced is Dumbledore's. And then he yells like, help us, we're in Malfoy Manor. And the eye blinks and then goes away. So maybe it did work. <laughs> Hermione tells Bellatrix that the sword is a fake. And Lucius suggests that they should get Griphook, a goblin, to go check. So as they hear footsteps coming downward harry grabs him and is like you have to lie you have to say it's a fake please draco is who was sent down he goes in grabs grip hook and slams the door and at the exact same time as the door slams there is a crack meaning some sort of apparition ron clicks the put outer to see who it is and it's everybody's favorite house elf dobby dobby Oh, I'm looking forward to spending some more time with this character. <laughs> oh, no. I hope we've got a good couple of chapters just hanging out with Dobby. That'd be nice. Catch up after all this So time. at first I was underwhelmed, but then I realized, oh, goblin magic. This actually is pretty smart. So Ron, I love, at first starts to go, Dobby, like excited. And then Harry punches him in the face to get him to shut up. Oh, it's Dobby. Come to rescue her. Oh. <laughs> Ron is the opposite of an MVP. <laughs> He's a handicap. Absolute liability. Uh, so Dobby is absolutely shook, but he's <laughs> determined. Dobby says that he has come to rescue Harry Do Potter. Do the Dobby voice. Oh, I don't know the Dobby. You don't want to. Uh, I don't. I'd just be like, <laughs> Dobby has come to rescue you. He's like a high-pitched Yoda in my brain. I feel like it's a cross between Yoda and Gollum at this point. He's like a young, tiny Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> Harry gives him the whole creature plan from Regulus back before, where he says, disapparate Luna, Dean, and Ollivander to Bill and Fleurs, and then come back. So new Dobby is dope. He is like on a mission to get it done. I very much enjoyed this iteration of Dobby. Yeah. Really excited for him to make his presence felt throughout the rest of this book. Yeah. Harry gets another Voldemort vision of who I think is Grindelwald telling him to go ahead and kill me, but it'll do nothing. There is so much that you don't understand, Voldemort. We go back from the flashback and then Dobby disapparates and upstairs they hear the crack. So they send down Wormtail this time instead. And Ron and Harry know that they're going to have to just tackle him when he gets in. So they stand on either side of the door. And here is my problem. They have made a dungeon in their cellar and they don't have a fucking window in the door <laughs> for people to look inside? Are you kidding me? Like, what kind of garbage operation are they working? Ugh. It's pitch black. You, you just you wouldn't be able to say anything. I guess, but like... 
shouldn't they have some sort of like peephole? Because yeah. they keep telling them like, stand back, I'm coming in, stand back. Like, what if the people just, I don't know, didn't listen to you? Well, you get bashed by the door, wouldn't you? It's a safety thing as much as anything else. I think also anyone who went to Hogwarts has become used to a great deal of inconvenience in where they live. Mm. Like, would you want your staircases to move? No. Would you want to be <laughs> unable to enter a room without answering a riddle? No. Terrible. <laughs> Uh, it just seems like hindsight on the Death Eaters part. We really just do learn that they are a poorly run organization. They're not smart. Mm -mm. They're too diverted by their own strong emotions. Yeah, they're all too selfish and they have no chill. They have no chill. (laughs) (laughs) So they stand on the other side of the door and... Wormtail flings open the door and immediately just gets absolutely trucked. (laughs) Harry covers his mouth. Ron moves his wand hand away and Lucius asks what's wrong. And then you get a quote, nothing, all fine. Ron said in a passable imitation of Wormtail's voice, according to the book, which I love. I really want to see. I haven't seen the movie yet, obviously. I really need this scene to be in the movie. I want to see Rupert Grint do a Wormtail impression. (laughs) And then everyone upstairs be like, yep, that's Wormtail. <laughs> and also, surprising presence of mind from Ron not to go, oh, uh, we're just uh, ambushing Wormtail. <laughs> Don't come down here. <laughs> Nothing to say here. In his dipshit way. <laughs> so, Wormtail then has Harry by the throat with his silver hand. And Harry says, you're going to kill me after I saved your life? You owe me. And this is something that once he did this way back in book three, I knew that Wormtail was going to do something to help them, but I did not think it was going to be what happens. Mm. I thought it was going to be like a big showdown duel and Wormtail is supposed to kill Harry and does the classic henchman like turn around and actually hurt Voldemort thing. I thought it was going to be much more dramatic. This is uh, what happens is a lot more dark and Mm. I did not see this coming at all. This is the most amazing thing that happens in this chapter. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. So Wormtail's got him by the throat. Harry tells him this thing where he says, you owe me. And then Pettigrew has what the book describes as a merciful impulse and there's like a twitch in his hand and then all of a sudden it slowly releases and Harry's able to pry himself free and then Peter Pettigrew just looks very confused and then he cannot control his own hand and it starts to grab his own throat and choke Pettigrew to death. Ron grabs his wand and they try to get him to stop they're trying spells they're trying to pry it they can't do it and then peter pettigrew's silver hand just chokes him out and kills him yeah very goth i think that's how the original ending to dr strangelove went yeah right there is the sentient hand it's really that's a whole i didn't quite get it also like is it like evil dead styles yeah yeah farewell to arms wouldn't it require the volition of his arm to move his hand to like once his hands at his throat, it can... <laughs> maybe his hands pulling his arm up. But that doesn't work. Like, with with what leverage? Yeah how how far does the silver hand go? That's so funny. You're right. <laughs> like he could just move his shoulder away, right? He could just yeah, exactly, he could yeah. just sit on his hand. <laughs> yeah. But um, is it that Voldemort gave him the hand, which means Voldemort yeah. has some control over the hand? Yeah, that's the thought. Is that Voldemort gifted him this silver hand? And he's like, Peter, you fucking sissy, you're gonna get it. <laughs> he wrote some sort of like clause in the hand magic if he's at least nice to harry potter ever it will murder him <laughs> it's quite a nice idea isn't it it's like you're right it isn't how you expected this character to end 
It just has like a literal, a literal moment mm-hmm. of not being a complete douchebag. Exactly, and that's enough to trigger. Okay, fail safe option. <laughs> kill Peter Pettigrew. I suppose what it says is that the people who are on the side of evil don't have an easy time of it either. Yeah, I guess no not. one's having a good time. I don't feel like he really deserved that. Although he did, uh, he did do some nasty stuff, didn't he? Yeah, he did a lot of bad things. It's a very abrupt way of getting rid of a character that has been in the books a long time. Right. Yeah. It was shocking how quickly it went down. Mm, I'm not sure they needed to do that there's i was impressed though i feel like there's other opportunities to it's like something out of a greek myth yeah mm-hmm. yeah if yeah. anything it just makes voldemort that much more intimidating to be like holy shit this dude's magic is nuts if he was able to put that little failsafe clause into his hand yeah do you yeah. think his hand had disobeyed him at any other point Ooh. in the time since he's had it like would it like force him to masturbate or something? Like that? <laughs> oh no! There is <laughs> got to like, be a fanfic Stop hitting about yourself! That. Stop hitting yourself! Stop hitting well, yourself! Well, there's a real danger if you sat on your evil hand; it would like finger you to death. <laughs> oh, incredible! If, I, if the scene was Peter Pettigrew fisting himself. Oh my gosh! Uh, but it would be a fun prank if, like, all the Death Eaters are like drunk and having a party, and then Voldemort like whispers to Dolph, like, "Check this shit out," and then, and then makes him like punch him in the face or do whatever. Or get him to do baton twirling or shadow puppetry. <laughs> it does feel a bit like that story about the, um, it's one of those urban legends, isn't it? About the guy who um, loses an arm in an accident and he's, he's given a new arm and it's it belongs to a killer. So the you know, oh. the arm goes and does crimes. Uh, what's that called? It's not Evil Dead. It's uh, It was like, a, they made it into like a bad Jessica Alba movie <laughs> in the 90s. Hey, editing Mike back again. That would be the 1999 box office flop Idle Hands, which has a blistering 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's the same thing where it's like someone's hand and only their hand gets possessed by the devil Mm. uh, and they can't control it. And it's a similar thing where you would think like, if you could control your elbow, wouldn't you be okay? Totally. But just wear a sling. Yeah. Dislocate your shoulder on purpose. A straight jacket. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then maybe he'll like pinch his own nipple to death. (laughs) Very kinky deaths from you, Helen. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> he wank himself to death. <laughs> I mean, he was a rat for a long time, so he's probably got a lot of uh, wanking to do. Mm-hmm. Carry on, please. <laughs> so Ron and Harry are shocked by this, but they got to keep moving, so they creep up the stairs. <laughs> They've never seen a man wank himself <laughs> to death before. <laughs> they creep up the stairs and they peek through the door, which is open, and they see what's going down. Bellatrix asks Griphook if the sword is the true sword. Griphook says that it's a fake. Bellatrix then drops all of her tension and just really quickly goes from 100 to zero real quick and goes, oh, and now we call the Dark Lord. Why does she trust him? I, that's what I don't understand. Is it because she's been like weeks beating the crap out of him? Because he's her banker and um, why wouldn't you? But also I think like Griphook is portrayed in these chapters as not being a nice guy. So maybe she thinks he's on the side of evil, whereas he's on the side of good. He just has a bad personality. Yeah, what we learn in the next chapter is that goblins and wizards aren't really getting along well. So I guess just the assumption is that he has nothing to gain Mm. because we do Mm. learn that he's like a bit nicer of a guy or at least is more like tolerant when he sees what Harry does for Dobby later on. So I guess Bellatrix's thought is like, I'm torturing this dude why would he want to help like he has nothing to gain by trying to help these people mm. so i guess but that being said the death eaters are very trusting like when ron hermione and harry give them fake names they're just like sounds good and they do some very light interrogating so yeah they need to they need to have a bit better protocol here at death eater headquarters but also she seems to enjoy interrogating people mm-hmm. so you think you'd just be like are you sure zap <laughs> are you sure zap i don't think she's that smart though because Mm -hmm. i guess she's so ruled by 
temporary moods. Mm. She's visceral. She doesn't seem to be cerebral. Yeah, she doesn't really think things through a whole lot. Yeah. So she touches her dark mark, and then we cut to another Voldemort situation from Harry Scar. Grindelwald is, or at least supposed Grindelwald, is taunting Voldemort by saying that the wand will never be his, and Voldemort then decides to kill him. So now we're back in Malfoy Manor, and Bellatrix says that they can get rid of the mudblood, and she offers her to Greyback. And then Ron, at this point, just yells, no, and barges in. Mm. <laughs> That's what Using Wormtail's wand, he uses Expelliarmus to successfully disarm Bellatrix's wand, nice. and it lands perfectly in Harry's hand, which is very convenient and very perfect. I feel like Ron is inconsistently characterized between being a complete fuckwit and an absolute ninja. <laughs> yeah, he's an all-or-nothing type character. It's like when you use one of those really powerful attacks in Pokemon where it either like murders the other one or completely misses. Like there's no middle ground for Ron Weasley. <laughs> sort of like Bellatrix in that respect. Yeah. yeah. Harry is also, remember, a jock. So it's not surprising that he catches it because mm, yeah. he's a very good Quidditch player. This is true. He's good at catching things flying through the air that are very tiny. Yeah, that is his one skill. <laughs> <laughs> so jinxes start flying everywhere until Bellatrix yells, stop or she dies. And she has her knife held up to Hermione's throat. Okay, now this is interesting to me because I don't know whether we've seen anyone use a mundane weapon to kill someone not that i know of it's all like mythical things that's mm -hmm. probably just like a kitchen knife or something probably smells of onions <laughs> i mean it's it's smart there should be more normal weapons they're not expecting it they're expecting a sword mm -hmm. or a magic net or something mm. i suppose that's from or the your thing own that, hand <laughs> i suppose that's one of the things that makes it a little bit like it, this could be a much more grotesque <laughs> upsetting Sorry. stop thinking about wanking yourself today um, this could I'm be not I'm thinking about Paisa Pettigrew wanking yourself today it's very different this would be a much more grotesque and scary story if they had like knives and swords and guns yeah rather than like zapping people with with magic magic spells like it's already quite tense and dark this 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 book especially I think and you know if they were like if there was a lot of stabbing that would be be pretty scary yeah my nephew who is 10 the other day he said to me i hate harry potter i hate it and i said oh why do you hate it and he said because everything always turns out well so i assume he hasn't got to this stage of the book no books. he has not read past book four yes <laughs> book four is like all right these are children's books right <laughs> just kidding yeah, there is an intense amount of trauma book four children die too yeah. <laughs> even the stuff that they win in the latter half of the series it leaves awful scars on their souls and bodies. Well, yeah. Dumbledore dies because of it, isn't it? Loads mm -hmm. of people die. Quite a few. Peter Pettigrew wanks himself to death. <laughs> That's ridiculous. At least he died doing something he loved. <laughs> so, Harry and Ron then drop their wands. Draco picks them up at Bellatrix's order. And Harry can feel the pain and he knows that this pain is Voldemort flying back to where he can be close enough to apparate. This raises the question, what is the apparition distance? I really want to know. I'm very curious. I think that will vary with wizards. Ooh, yeah. Better wizards can do it from farther away. I feel like one yeah. could do about three feet. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd probably like leave his own feet behind or something. Yeah, he'd splinch him <laughs> off. So at this point, a chandelier breaks. Of course. How very meatloaf. <laughs> the scene gets very hectic. Harry steals the wands that are dropped and he does a triple stupefy on Greyback because he has three wands and I just like to imagine that he put one between each of the wedges of his fingers and had it like Wolverine and pointed <laughs> them all at Greyback when he does the stupefy. Is that a thing that's happened before that like if you have three wands it's three times as good? This is the first time I've seen it. Why don't they all have loads of wands then? Why do they only have the one and then they can the lose it? If I was a wizard I'd just have like one strapped to my body like a porcupine. 
<laughs> I've got like seven pens in my bag that I've stolen. You would want like an Edward Scissorhands of wands. Exactly. Right. Or yeah. a Freddy yeah. Krueger of wands. Or like a ten color ballpoint of wands. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or just like a spare wand, a travel folding wand. Ooh. Carry like a tree around yeah. you. If it's by like cross-sectional area as opposed to number. Even if there's all this shit about you go to Ollivander's shop and he's like, well, what the, the wand wand chooses the, the wizard. wizard. <laughs> but like the wands work for the other wizards That's as true. evidenced in this book. So why not have a few spares for disarmament situations? Yeah, I'm surprised there's not a Death Eater. Like, even if that's not normal to do, you want, like, one general grievous Death Eater that murders people and then takes their wands and then is like, oh, yeah, that's Bill. He's got 38 wands from all the people that he's murdered. <laughs> I also don't understand with the with the Uber wand, the death stick. How does anyone ever defeat it? I thought the point of that wand was that it couldn't be defeated. So how does anyone ever get it? With death, Martin. A lot of the deaths that are at least described are sneaky deaths. Right. I think it can't be defeated in a duel, so then you have to kill the other person like unsuspectingly. Yeah, yeah. like ambush them or take it when they're asleep. Mm-hmm. So the chandelier breaks, the scene gets very hectic, and Harry is able to steal these wands. He does the triple stupefy. Then Narcissa and Bellatrix realize that it's Dobby, and they start talking shit. <laughs> and at the exact point that Dobby came in here, right away I was like, oh, this dude's not getting out of here alive. Like, he's not surviving this fight. So they start talking smack. They're like, oh, what? They're You dirty little monkey. How dare you take a witch's wand? How dare you defy your masters? And then Dobby hits him with a pretty good line where he goes, Dobby has no master. Dobby is a free elf. And Dobby has come to save Harry Potter and his friends. Which is pretty good. Then Harry throws a wand to Ron so that he can disapparate with Hermione. Harry then grabs Grip Hook and Dobby and starts to disapparate to Bill and Fleur's place. But while they are disapparating, Bellatrix throws a knife in their direction. And like the last thing that Harry sees before they spin away and, and start to disapparate is this knife hurling straight at them. So they go through the disapparation process. They land in the area where they see a cottage and Harry's asking Dobby if this is the right place or if they got sent somewhere else. But during the disapparation thing, there's this really like intimate moment where Harry is holding Dobby's hand and he feels Dobby pull it as if he is steering them in the right direction. And Harry gives him like a hand squeeze to say like, yeah, you got this. Mm. It's this really like, touching moment and then they get to the location harry asks are we in the right spot and then he realizes oh that dobby has the knife stuck in his chest and he's bleeding pretty profusely and uh it's not looking great for dobby he's about to die like he's not salvageable it's not gonna work but harry is yelling for the people that he sees outside of this cottage and he doesn't know if it's bill and fleur or evil people or some random muggles he doesn't care he's screaming for the people to help him yeah. and dobby as the life leaves his body and his eyes go dull he looks at harry and just says harry potter and then that's the end of chapter 23 oh. Oh. Poor Dobby. Do you think Bellatrix would have thrown that knife, though? Because the orders are no one is to kill Harry but Voldemort. Oh. And what if because they're all moving very quickly, she hit the wrong one? Maybe she doesn't give a shit. Maybe she's <laughs> like, no one tells me who not to kill. I just find this scene really confusing. I had to visit like two or three times because I was like, 
Were like Ron and Hermione. They operated separately. But it doesn't say that until. So it doesn't the... say it, which I think is like to make you be suspenseful because right, Harry right. just gives him a wand to say, like, this is what you're supposed to do. So I guess part of the suspense is like, did they actually do it? Like, you right, don't know. Right, right, right. I just found that confusing. I did. I guess as well. also because you're supposed Come to be on, focused. JK Rowling. <laughs> you're supposed to be focused on Harry, and maybe everything is too busy for him to even notice whether Ron and Hermione have successfully operated because he just mm. like, Ron, take the wand and go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but no, I agree, Martin. I had to read this a couple times. I was audiobooking it, and Kelly, my girlfriend, was with me while I was listening to it. She was doing this because what I didn't realize, she was secretly filming me on her phone to see if I would have like a, a big reaction to it. But I just like don't react very, very much to at least like an audiobook. Like maybe a the movie, I'll like tear up and choke up. But the yeah, the biggest reaction I had is that like once Dobby came back and broke the chandeliers, like my eyes bulged out real big. Like oh shit, nice. And then for the rest of it, I just like didn't react. Uh, <laughs> but I did have to, like, inside. I was oh yeah, I was sad inside. I just didn't like show it, which is what Kelly was looking for. Uh, but I did like a couple times. I had to ask her like, wait, wait, wait. Did 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 Harry did Hermione and Ron go with them? Mm. Why didn't? What's going on? So. Well, there's so much business in this chapter, isn't exactly. there? Exactly. Super hectic. It, in the outdoors, and then the upstairs in the manor and then they're downstairs in the manor then they're back upstairs again and then they're apparating mm-hmm. then a chandelier it's a explodes busy chapter. yeah a lot happens yeah chandeliers knives hand strangle a lot of shit a lot of shit well speaking of a lot of shit let's let's hold it right there hey editing mic again so good to see you it's been so long and end this episode of Potterless here for now. Sorry, Helen just talked way too much about masturbating to death that the episode got so long. If you want to hear more of Helen, you can check out her podcast, The Illusionist, and find her on Twitter at Helen Zaltzman. And if you want to hear more of Martin, you can find his podcast, Song by Song, and find him on Twitter at Martin Ostwick. Huge shout out to them for being on the show despite their jet lag. It was so much fun. This is easily one of the funniest episodes of Potterless, and I'm very excited for their future appearance on the next episode of Potterless. And listeners, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, before they masturbate themselves to death, wizard on! If you are in the need of busting out some new t-shirts now that it's spring and t-shirt weather, why don't you go to the Potterless merch store? If you go to bit.ly slash merch on, you can check out all of the Potterless merchandise. We have house color shirts with the Potterless logo. We've got Ludo Bagman shirts, pins, posters, all sorts of fun stuff. And you can check it all out at bit.ly slash merch on. Potterless is created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert, as well as Leanne Davis, Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Jesse Horgan, Natalie Klobuchar, Deborah Wilkins, Klaus Lobu, Rebecca Adamek, Frank Chiotto, Marchismo, Tori Larsic, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfilio, Jenna Dowsett, Kieran Webb, Abid Med, Caitlin Jordan Pontolo, Rosemary Dodge, Jill Belay, Marie Lisa C. Keen, Ariel Bird, Romina Rivadanier, Camille Dock, Russell Dunk, Dustin Mullen Cooge, Audra, Eleanor Curlin, Sydney Cawthorn, Billy Hinton, Rossanne Batamana, Andrea Franz, Nikita Power, Lala Palmer, Chelsea Green, Taylor Armstead, Lovekesh Longer, Ali Madsen, Cassandra Aponte, Roxy Chaos, Amelia Kraus, Sean Montag, Sarah Nink, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Jessica Ann Arnica, the daughter, Tiago Costa, Daisy Carton Sutter, Jessica Jacob, Orca Grower, Steve Trelor, Vivian the Owl, Takari Arant, Haley Hastings, Marino, Moster, Pinky Pan, Angelina Withred, Ross Marie Heise, Lee Ganji Singh, Alex Bashulta, Brian Williams, Caitlin Sullivan, Finn Stucky, Mosin Siddiqui, Grace Riggle, Sammy Shaw, Raul Pineda, Ingen Odstadter, Mari Wynn, Brianne Wingate, Alexandra Consilver, John Cocker, Jen and Juice, Noel Basile, Tao, Emily Tyrell, Michael Russell, Robin Fernandez, Patricio Colon, Will Barrington, Liz Bigelow, Mariah Noah, Brandon Pickens, Sarah Enslin, Claire Spencer, Teal, Cena, Schutzberg, Rory Collier, Glory Gillum, Sarah, and 
Patrick Donovan, Alicat29, Hallie Bowen, Veronica Bartova, Kevin Harnoy, Lada B, Noah, Tracy Toya, Lucinda, Carlos Nino, Pam Webb, Nikki Emil, Colleen King, Jennifer Marklu, Freddy J. Svedson, Ivor Peterson, Naomi Guglielmo, Tyler Latchaw, Summer Raffle, Heather Fleischman, Vera Cullifan, Carrie D. Bagson, Andrea Crock, Elisa Grieven, Lynn Walker, Emily Gale, Ryan King, Cameron Watkins, Justin Montero, Christine Saunders, Jacob Parrish, Toothless Walnut, Weekend at Dead Cat Ladies, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Kimberly Savage, Surgeon Thon Megupta, Brittany Gutierrez, Nita Atabani, Bavi Patel, Tumnus Moran, Remy Fontaine, Mats Furley, Sarah Shecker, Lauren Cook, Nova VM, Kyle, Zena Rosnowski, Emily Tilly, Colleen Mage, Harlan Haskins, Akonksha Soxena, Wouter Vander Maiden, Shelby Darnell, Noelia, Reese Clark, Adriana Cox, Brian, Yukamit Beats Waffles, Washington Large, Jenny Campione, Nikki Harris, Kara Hamilton, Dorcas, Courtney Hemwood, Kine Roan, Amanda Alfred, Sabrina, Lauren Cook, Claire Challoner, Elise McLaren, Kafir Shaltiel, Lindy Packy, Martha Madueno, Benjamin Desmond, Tahinder Cumber, Skymart 6, and Can't I Potter? Web designed by Kelly Beckman, and the music is by Bettina Campomanis. If you want to find us on social media, you can go to Facebook.com slash Potterless, Twitter.com slash Potterless Pod, Instagram.com slash Potterless Podcast, or Reddit.com slash R slash Potterless. For any and all information about the show, you can head on over to PotterlessPodcast.com, and if you want bonus content, go to Patreon.com slash Potterless. Thank you so much for listening, and as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, Wizard on! Hi, this is Dr. Laurie Santos. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. We believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can build a more connected community. Neighbor to neighbor. It takes a neighborhood. Hi, this is Dr. Joy. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, where communities can be disconnected, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. They believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can help build a more connected community. Neighbor to Neighbor. It takes a neighborhood.